0: Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm Alex Burr, joined once again by my great friend, Dylan Hughes. Dylan. Dylan. No curveball this week because you said you had to get something off your chest. What do you have to get off your chest? Let's let the people hear it.
0: Well, I mean, th- this this complaint, of course, comes from the the beautiful world of Twitter that everyone just has a of great course. time time. Um, and, you know, last weekend was just a great weekend. We had the all star weekend. And I didn't get a, I didn't get to watch All-Star Weekend last year because I was in freaking Missouri or somewhere on the road and I couldn't participate in All-Star Weekend. And I was very sad about that. And this year I was really happy to just sit down and watch, you know, just, I, I was watching everything. I was watching the celebrity game on Friday night. I was watching the kind of weird skills competition they did and everything was great you know we had a white boy show out at the dunk contest it was just a great weekend and of course people on twitter are you know complaining about it being salt lake city because there's three cities in this country that everyone cares about and if if there's things that are not there it sucks and i'm just sick of it okay because the Salt Lake city hate turned into Indianapolis hate, of course, because it's going to be here next year. And anyone, you know, that likes basketball and isn't just a complete asshole comes to Indianapolis and they have a good time. it may be a little bit cold. It might be a little bit boring depending on where you're coming from, but it's just a nice time. Okay. And this is what all-star weekend is about. It's about having a nice time, just kind of debriefing from the season Just chilling out, watching some fun stuff, hanging out with friends if if you're at the event, you know, and there's people on Twitter. Of course, most of them are from like L.A. that cover the league. And I just wish that these people, they live in L.A., you know, beautiful weather all the time. I understand you get to cover basketball and you've earned that right. But like, I wish people would be a little bit more humble when it comes to stuff like this, complaining about where they have to go to cover the all-star game or to watch it. It's like you, it's such an immense privilege to be able to do that, you know, and to complain about the city you have to go to for four days. It just really pissed me off. And, you know, this, this is, this life is about people and experiences and sometimes those experiences are going to be in weird kind of places and maybe places you might think are kind of boring. Okay. But Indianapolis loves basketball. It's a nice little city. Okay. It's not LA. It's not New York city or Miami, but it's a nice place to watch basketball for four days. Okay. So I don't want to hear any of this stuff anymore. We're going to hear it for the next year and it's going to be annoying, Uh, but I'm just sick, sick of hearing, the complaints about Indianapolis and salt Lake city. Okay. Salt Lake city, you have to drive through these gorgeous mountains to get there. Like to complain about being in Utah is insane to me. It's, it's one of the most beautiful States we have in this country to complain about being there is shocking. If you want to complain about Indianapolis, that's fine. We, we don't have any beautiful landmarks or mountains or water or anything complaining about salt Lake city. I don't get that.
1: How dare you? Um, when, I, I mean, I tried to come up with something. I, I couldn't really think of anything. Of uh, the Peyton Manning statue, it's a great landmark. That's true. That's um, true. Right on South Street, you know. Right it's on. It's a great landmark. It's great. Come on, come on now. That's
0: true. I forgot. Um,
1: trying to think, what else? Um, Monument Circle. Now, is there anything to do on Monument Circle at like one
0: a.m.? No.
1: But you know, it, it's there. It's a cool
0: place. It's a hey, roundabout. By the way, I was just on Georgia Street last night uh at Helian Comedy Club watching Dusty Slay. Shout out. Uh Georgia Street, which is like the street, you know, you can walk from Conce or I'm gonna say Conseco, God, Bankers Life Fieldhouse. <laughs> I walk you can walk from Bankers Life Fieldhouse right down Georgia Street, and there's all kinds of fun bars. Uh, You got the comedy club, you know, like it's a fun area to be. Okay. It may not be like Hollywood Boulevard. It's not miles long of, of fun stuff, but there's fun stuff going on all the time. Okay. You can have a good time in Indianapolis. You just have to not be a piece of shit. So don't be a piece of shit. That's my advice.
1: While you're there, um, free advertising. Shout out my guys at Subito S U B I T O. Um, this This is obviously next year, but if you're listening to this, Best sandwiches in town, bar none. Right downtown, go check them out. Especially like if you're waking up in the morning, maybe had a little too much to drink. They're nice, they're hot, they're greasy. Love Sabito, Dylan. You know, you saw I went on vacation. I have not put out an episode since the morning of the trade deadline. I recorded that. um, At about, I recorded a monologue at about. 8 p.m. I want to say the Lakers jazz Tim rules trade went down. I think the Josh Hart cam straight had just went down. So I'd covered that. Um, a couple hours later, I'm sure you remember this. Some guy was tra- a really big trade happened. Of course, I'm talking about Jakob Pertl to the tar- back to the, to the Raptors. Tar- I'm having a great time here, folks. Um, but first, we got to talk about some injury news because we have missed a lot. It's a lot happens when you're gone for a couple of weeks. So. I think we got to start in Chicago, probably the most depressing news of the season. Lonzo Ball is has been ruled out for the rest of the year, hasn't sniffed the court this season, hasn't sniffed the court since the middle of last season.
2: Um, I don't know when he hasn't Dylan, he's not even like jumping yet. I think we should be pretty concerned about Lonzo because
1: you know, we all like kind of attributed Lou all and joking Noah to Tibbs, but this is the third like catastrophic injury. The Bulls training staff has had in the last 10 years. At what point, if you're a star player, would you just say I'm not touching the bulls with a 10 foot pole?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a weird thing and Zach Levine has, has been relatively okay, which is, you know, a good sign he's had injuries in his past. But I don't know, man, this Lonzo thing is sad because when him and DeMar went there to join Levine, it just seemed like it was going to be a really fun trio to watch. And it seemed like, they kind of had everything covered. You know, you got a little bit of defense, you got a little bit of passing, you got some shooting, you got shot making, like there's a lot there. None of those guys are perfect, but they all are really good at like two or three things. And you combine all that together, you know, and they could have had a really good team. And taking Lonzo out of the mix, you know, hurts the team. But for him personally, I mean, is he just done? Like, is he ever going to be the player that, that we saw? Like, he's not that old, you know? It's not like he's in his 30s and, you know, he's coming close to the end anyway. Like, he's had a lot of knee injuries. Like, no, like, he's on his second contract and he's still got plenty of juice left, but this Bulls training staff messed something up, you know, maybe multiple times. And if I'm Lonzo, like... I don't know. There, It seems like legal action of some sort might, you know, might be in the cards.
1: And I mean, I, I could also talk about Derrick Rose, you know. It took him forever. I mean, he's not right. He wasn't right after his injuries. But he didn't play for two years after he tore his ACL. And then the first year he did come back, he tore his meniscus. And... This kind of thing has been a recurring thing with this team again. And Dylan, you know who my least favorite owner is in the whole league. You know the reason why I stopped being a Bulls fan. It is because Jerry Reinsdorf is a cheap ass. It, there's no other way around it. This man will not pay to have. He won't pay top dollar, right? Like the Suns. Say what you will about Robert Sarver. You can say a lot of bad things about Robert Sarver. They had a top-notch training staff. The entire like the reason Mark Cuban let Steve Nash go was because of his bad back. He's like, I don't want to invest in this, you know, over however many years. And the Suns invested in a good training staff and extended Steve Nash's career. They kept Amari Stoudemire's knees from collapsing as soon as he left Phoenix. Dylan, Amari Stoudemire's career was pretty much done. He had what one great season outside of Phoenix and was done. Um, Grant Hill's career was like saved. He wasn't ever the player he was in Detroit, but I mean he was resurrected as a player. And Dylan, I'm sure you would agree with this. His track record as a baseball and a basketball owner shows that he would never ever put that kind of money into his team's training staff. He it just it wouldn't happen with him ever. And it this is the reason why I'm not a Bulls fan anymore.
2: <laughs> it's just not.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're they're just very clearly some teams that they look at their team as more of a business than a team trying to win. And, like, if you think about Moneyball, uh, that owner was very clearly just not super willing to invest in the team. You know, like, Billy Bean had to work around the edges because he just didn't have the budget. And for some teams that works and there's there's a lot of good gms out there that are willing to work with what they have and you know they may not win a title but they may be competitive but there's there's more to it than just the players you know there's there's coaches obviously which vary from how much they cost to have but training staffs too and if you're just going to pay you know a small amount to have a a training staff that's kind of going to do the bare minimum, you're going to see the results of that. And there's very clearly some teams in the league that invest in that. And there's some teams that don't. And the Bulls seem to be a team that doesn't. And if they do, then they just have the worst luck in the world. And I have a hard time imagining that's the case.
1: I would agree with that. I don't want to. You already see how emotional I am about this, Dylan. I think we should move on to a team that'll probably make us emotional. Um, the Pelicans and Zion Williamson, while I was gone, it was announced he'll be, he's suffered a setback in his rehab. He's going to be sidelined for, at, I think they said at least three more weeks, but knowing Zion, it's probably going to be a little bit longer than that.
2: I, I just don't know, man. <sighs> he's been gone for a month. And it's, it's like he, this dude takes one
1: step forward. It feels like three steps back. He looks like a future hall of famer. And then it feels like, oh, the world is ending. I I just don't know. Like you want to talk about a dude I have, I don't have a lot of confidence in health wise. I think you could surround this dude with the world's best training staff. And I think things would be catastrophic. He looked great coming into the year too. This isn't about like, oh, Zion's, you know, overweight, you know, all that stuff. I just don't know if he's gonna be healthy. I don't think this guy This might be another Yao Ming situation, Dylan.
0: You know, you know this this man is very dear to my heart. I just took him number one overall to be my offensive guard in a podcast a couple of weeks ago. This is a guy that I clearly treasure very, very much. So it's it's hard to talk about him. You know, it is. And I don't I don't really know where to go. Like he played 61 games last year, you know, or the 2021 season, he played 61 games. And if he could do that every year, we'd be we wouldn't be having this conversation, but you know, the first year was tough. And right now, I mean, last season he didn't play, you know, so it's, it is worrisome. And from a money perspective, you know, Like, how can the Pelicans not invest in this guy? Just because when he is out there, it's just insane. I mean, he is literally my favorite player to watch in this league. He is just – for his size, like, the way he moves and and jumps, it's just – I've never seen it. And maybe there's guys that have been like that, and I just haven't really watched them enough, but I just haven't seen a guy like this. And when he's not out there, it's just devastating. And the Pelicans have built, like, a solid team. But they're still 500. You know, like, they have – they've got McCollum. They've got Ingram. They've got some good players on the edges. But without Zion, it's just – they're they're never going to be what they could. And I don't really know what to think because he did lose weight. Like, he very clearly was, was a lot thinner coming into the season. And that's what we thought was the problem, was that he was 300 pounds – which would make a great offensive lineman, but he's not trying to be an offensive lineman here. He's trying to play basketball. And that is a lot of pressure on your knees. Like knees and your feet, when you're 300 pounds, that you're going to have issues. And that's why these big guys always have so many feet problems because they just got a lot of weight on that on those feet. And Zion is is a bigger guy in a different way. But it's his weight and the way he moves – just kind of constantly puts him at risk of of pulling something or breaking something. And I don't know. I don't know. There have been athletes that have had trouble early on in their careers and they've overcome it. Like Steph Curry. I mean, Steph Curry, when he was on that four year, $44 million deal that everyone thought was so insane. Like people thought it was insane to pay him $11 million a year because he had ankle problems. He had, he had major ankle problems. Like there was the player that he has become there was a path where he could have been out of the league five years ago, you know? So it's, it's all, it's not always easy to to predict where these guys are going to go. Cause sometimes something clicks, they figure something out or, you know, whatever. And Zion can be playing 70 games a year, you know, soon. But right now it's, it's definitely concerning. And if he comes back and like, it's hurt again, this season or like misses the playoffs or whatever happens. It's, it's definitely concerning, but it, he's just so good. It's hard to, to care much about like the future. It's like, you just got to stick with this guy and hope it it works out.
1: Yeah. I don't really have much to add to that other than, um, it's like, you could tell he loves it so much, right? Like this guy, the NBA has a problem, I think,
2: where I don't think a lot of their guys super love basketball. Yeah, he loves it. And you could tell he loves it.
1: Um, His effort is never his problem. It's just, can he be on the floor? And this guy not being out there is a like, I'd say a genuine
2: problem for the NBA because this guy like is a genuine star. He's probably one of the biggest names in the league at this point. And it just sucks that
1: I have him out there. But um one last player news bit. It's not an injury per se, but I thought it was interesting. Um before we get to the coach, big coaching news of the week. It appears that Ben Simmons is out of the rotation in Brooklyn Dylan. Um it seems like Jock Vaughn has set his rotation. And Ben Simmons and Cam Thomas, for whatever reason, are the two odd men out. I don't know why Cam Thomas would be the odd man out after his explosion
2: the week of the trade deadline. Um, But Dylan, is Simmons done as an NBA player?
0: I don't know. I just don't. I mean, we've, we've talked about him for a while now. And It's very clear that in the past, at least when he was with the Sixers, that he just he had the wrong people around him that were constantly telling him he was awesome. He was the best. And he had no reason to believe otherwise, despite he thought everyone on Twitter was an idiot. And that, you know, his small crew around him like that, that was what's real, because everyone wants to believe they're the guy, you know, everyone wants to believe they're awesome. And to get to that level in the NBA to be a number one pick, you kind of have to be a little bit of a lunatic in some way. You have to, to be a professional athlete, some of them have to just have insane confidence, even if it's not even true at all, just to get themselves to work and, and stay motivated. And now, now it's with Simmons, it's almost like just sad. It's like, I don't, I don't really want to judge him too much because it's like, I don't know. Like, I, He he had in the past said that he had, you know, mental health issues and and me personally was kind of dubious of what was really it seems like for some people, mental health has just become an easy out for their behavior. And I kind of thought Simmons that that was the case because he didn't you know, he was the guy that didn't take the easy layup at the end of the, the game. And all that stuff, but now it's like, I don't know, maybe he really just has lost all his confidence because he's not, he's not the same guy. Like he's never been super aggressive as far as looking for shots on offense, but everything has kind of slipped with him. Like his defense is not what it was like his passing, like nothing is really the same. So I'm not sure what's going on. And this Nets team where, like, now there's really no expectations. This is a team that he should be able to thrive on. You know, just give him the ball. He can run the second unit. He can pass to Cam Thomas and let Cam Thomas shoot 20 times a game. Like, that would be kind of fun to watch. But I don't know. It doesn't seem like the Nets have confidence in Simmons, and I don't know if he has any confidence in himself anymore.
1: Yeah. And you know, when to hear something crazy I think he may have peaked in that game. I don't know if you remember it, but that
2: game where he scored 42 on Rudy Gobert. I I think like Joel was ejected
1: and Rudy was guarding Simmons. And like, he was just taking it to Rudy every time he's like, this is your D like, he was talking trash after the game. And it was a regular season game. And we're like, man, this guy, he's an all defensive player. Like, you know, this was the twenty twenty one season, and I think that was the peak of his career because everything after that slowly started to tail off. You know, Embiid started to get you know more. I mean, Embiid and him were always paired against each other for better or for worse, and I think in Simmons' case, it was definitely for worse.
2: Um, And I, I just think that whatever happened in that Hawk series. Just ended it.
1: I don't think he, he he could come back from that. Like, we had hope. But just that whole saga at the beginning of last year. That, you know, the him not coming back after the trade to Brooklyn last year. You know, not helping out in that Boston series at all. You know, that whole drama with that, you know, the group chat. And the team not, like, rushing to debunk it. You know? It was
2: like... I don't even think Patty Mills has his back and patty mills i think is the world's greatest dude like it's it's really depressing and i don't envy
1: the nets because he has two more years and i think 70 million left on his contract after this year i think it's safe to say he's taken the crown from westbrook as the worst contract in the nba um i don't really think it's close Especially now that Westbrook's been bought out, we'll talk about Westbrook in a little bit, presumably. Um, but man, it's just, it's just a, been a wild ride. And I mean, if we're we might as well just transition to the Hawks now, the team that he passed on the layup against. Fired Nate McMillan this week unceremoniously, and today rumors have popped up. I mean, Joe Prenti was appointed the interim coach, but I don't think that much matters because he'll get like maybe two more games as interim coach before Utah Jazz legend, Quinn Snyder will probably be appointed as the next head coach of the Atlanta Hawks. So Dylan, you had a lot of experience with Nate in Indiana here. Um, Where do you think it went wrong for him? Do you think it was a lot of Trey? Just what are your whole thoughts on this? Let's just call it a fiasco because it's a, it's been a fiasco in Atlanta this year.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I go back and forth on, on Nate because the teams he coached in Indiana were good teams, but it seemed like the players, like he kind of lost the locker room and the reason that Nate took over Lloyd Pierce was because Lloyd Pierce lost the locker room in Atlanta and as soon as Nate took over I mean that team got hot really hot and it seemed like Trey was more in check like it wasn't just it wasn't when it was Lloyd Pierce it was a Harden style system the problem for the Hawks was that Trey Young was not even close to as good as James Harden was in Houston so even though they had pretty good players around Trey it just wasn't it wasn't going to work out that way. And it seemed like the balance of power kind of shifted when Nate got in there. Nate's the old school guy that is, you know, he's going to be more defense oriented. He's going to, his offensive scheme is not necessarily super crazy, but you know, it it gets the job done. It's going to get you to the playoffs. And I don't know this year really where it went wrong. I mean, I, it kind of like they made a roster shakeup getting Murray, you know, they traded a lot for Murray. And I, I liked that trade. I thought it made a lot of sense to have a, a really awesome defensive player next to Trey. And I thought it would take some of the pressure off of Trey. And I mean, it just seems like everyone on that team this year, except maybe like DeAndre Hunter, has just kind of taken a step back from where they've been in the past. So I don't know if there's really, one person you can blame, but I do have suspicions about Trey young because his, his dad on Twitter the other day tweeted about how Trey's younger brother is, you know, really he's a better passer and taller than Trey was at this age, but I don't know if I want him pursuing basketball because of what his brother deals with. And it's like, what, what is his brother dealing with? Is there something I'm missing here is the, is the Hawks organization just like the Washington commanders where it's just an untenable like environment or is Trey young just an insane person that thinks everyone's out to get him and he hates everyone. Like, is that, is that what's going on? Because I don't, I don't know. I don't, there's not an answer right now. Maybe there will eventually be some story that some you know e s p n writer does that exposes everything, but I don't know it's is Trey Young a guy that should not be a franchise leader because he just doesn't have the mentality for it, or is the Hawks organization a disaster that's not been revealed yet it It seems like it's one of those things, and maybe it's both at the same time, but it's hard to see, and I think when Quinn Snyder gets in there that's a guy that's not going to mess around. If Trey Young is like that, he's going to Quinn Snyder might push to trade him. I don't know if the Hawks would want to do that, but if there's problems, Quinn Snyder's not going to go in there and just deal with it. He's going to figure something out. So, I think the rest of this season and then the off season is going to tell us a lot. Not only where the team is going, but maybe where it's coming from and where some of those problems lie. So that was,
2: you gave me a lot to work with there. Um, My inclination is always, it's a little bit of column A, a
1: little bit of column B. I don't think Trey is blameless here. Like, but Dylan, we know the book on superstars, right? You get them, they're difficult to deal with. More often than not, they'll get their fair share of coaches fired, whatever, you know, it's the cost of doing business when you have a guy of that caliber. I'm not like, yeah, it's bad. But Lloyd Pierce was, I mean, no one's been h- inkling, like, oh my gosh, I need Lloyd Pierce so bad since he's been fired. Like, have you heard his name on, like, the rumor block once since he's been fired? Like, and Lloyd Pierce was, like, I feel like, a hot coaching candidate when he got hired the first time. So, that's sign number one. Um, and I, I think, like, there are some guys that are going to get fired, like, for the first time.
2: I mean, we're seeing, like, so, like Dwayne Casey, right? Toronto first time gets fired, gets another chance, right? Not
1: everyone who gets fired one time gets the shaft like that. Terry, like Terry Stotts, Terry Stotts gets fired one time. I don't think he's going to get another shot. Um, okay. But Lloyd Pierce, not going to, I think it's safe to say, not going to get another shot. Steven Silas, probably not going to get another shot, sad as it is to say, even though it is definitely not his fault <laughs> what's going
2: on in Houston once he's fired. Um, I think, Nate, the problem was what they did in 2021, the reason they were successful,
1: I think you and I would agree. We're like, wow, this is so even at the time, I think you and I were saying, wow, this is so different from what a Nate McMillan team usually does. Like you and I were both like, huh? because we'd watched the Pacers so closely and you and I knew what his reputation was in Portland. We knew what his reputation was like Seattle. He's Nate's been coaching a long time. A tiger doesn't change his stripes. (laughs) We saw this with Stan Van Gundy. We've seen this with Tom Thibodeau. Those are two guys that have been coaching forever too. Tigers don't change their stripes. It's just what it is. So
2: I'm not surprised that this all went down in flames because this isn't the way I don't think I'd use Trey Young.
1: Now, where I'd be concerned is if they bring in Quinn Snyder and this flames out spectacularly, then I'd be like, oh, Trey, you're the problem. That That's where I'd be really concerned. But, but Nate, I can kind of understand because, and plus we saw him butt heads
2: with stars in Indiana too, who are a lot worse <laughs> than Trey Young. So I I wish all the best for Nate. I don't think he's going to coach in the NBA again, probably like be a head coach.
1: I think that ship is sailed. I think (laughs) unless you want 2000s ball. As your head coach, I'll say this. If the Hawks ever are successful. I could see Nate McMillan being the Mark Jackson to Quinn Snyder, Steve Kerr where he instilled the fundamentals in them, but they needed someone who actually understood, you know, modern basketball to get them from point A to point B. I don't think Nate McMillan was that guy. And I've been saying that this whole season. I don't, I didn't think he was that guy. Um, but I also think that the Hawks organization (laughs) is a shit show. (laughs) They nepotism run amok. Um, I think Sam Amick has a really good article if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's him on The Athletic talking about the extents of the nepotism in the Hawks organization. Um, why is John Collins still there? <laughs> I I can't believe he's been in trade rumors, I think, since the day he was drafted. I This team is an utter disaster, which is why I think that's the reason I'm giving Trey the benefit of the doubt right now. If this was Kyrie, he doesn't get that benefit of the doubt. Like, let's just be honest here but trey i I think Trey, the with the way the hawks are, just everything going on around him, I will give him the benefit of the doubt now, but if it doesn't work with Quinn, I think then I will be concerned, just me personally
0: yeah, I mean that that's how i that's how I see it, you know, like Quinn is a guy that he was in Utah for a long time for a reason, and it's. I think it's so easy for people to just say, well, he never won a title or never even went. So, you know, how good is he really? It's like, well, he had Rudy Gobert on his team. Okay. Like this, this podcast loves trashing Rudy Gobert, uh, certain members more than others, but uh, you know, like what's, what's going on in Minnesota right now. That's, you know, that, that guy was the, basically the, the guy like Donovan Mitchell was the guy, too. It was kind of like a 1A, 1B thing, you know. But a lot of the smart people said, hey, Rudy Gobert is the best player on that team. And they went as far as he would take them, which was the second round. I don't think you can blame that on Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder, I think, is a legit coach. And this Atlanta roster has potential. They have to get rid of Collins they have to stop trading good players like Kevin Herter. And I think they'll be right on track, but you know, this, this nucleus was in the, these, East, these East finals, not very long ago. And they put it to a bucks team that won, you know, they, they didn't, it wasn't an easy out and, you know, Giannis had some injuries and all that, but still, it means, it means something. And I'm I'm interested to see what happens with Snyder. I think that was a good hire and of all guys to be just sitting out there available. Quinn Snyder has to be one of the top guys <laughs> that you'd say, oh uh, yeah, we're going to hire him a week after firing our other coach. Cause he's that, he's that guy. So I'm interested to see what happens, but yeah, the Hawks organization, I'm not, I'm not putting much faith into. So we'll, we'll see who's really to blame. I think in the next six or so months,
1: I think that's a good way to put it. Um, I'll give them the middle of next season. You know, we both know 20 games is like 20 games when you've had no time to install your principles and system. And you know, there's no time to practice this time of year either. Like there's, so my guess is they probably sneak into the plan, probably like either make the playoffs or lose in one of those playing games. And then reset next year with Snyder's ideal. I mean, hell they, they have wings on wings on wings on this team. So you get rid of Collins, maybe add another guard, right? Maybe like a third guard, like a dynamic guard, like not, I'm saying not get this guy, but maybe a guy like Norm Powell, right? Someone off their bench who can make something happen. Cause you have a bunch of three and D wings, right?
2: And you have Deandre Hunter. Who's like you said, is taking a step. Um, get somebody who can make something happen and maybe
1: we're cooking with gas. I don't know. There's I, I can't wait to see how this progresses going forward. We have gotten this far, Dylan, we have talked about a lot and we still have so much more to talk about. So let's just talk about like, let's go team by team. I think that'll be the easiest way. Cause we can talk about teams off of those teams. Let's start with the Suns. I think it's safe to say they made the biggest move and probably
2: what? At the trade deadline ever. I mean, adding Kevin Durant,
0: it's probably the biggest adding Kevin Durant and also adding Darius Baisley. Of course, let's, let's not let that get overshadowed. So
1: let me go ahead and read off everything they did because they honestly kind of dominated the day. Um, so this trade, I'm just going to read off all the limbs to it. Cause this is officially a four team trade on basketball reference. So they, tra- they, received Kevin Durant and TJ Warren. Um they got they sent four first round picks as pick swap, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Jay Crowder to the Nets. The Nets then sent Jay Crowder to the Bucks. And then this is really convoluted. <laughs> the Nets sent, I believe, five second round picks out. Two to the or the Bucks sent five second round picks out. I believe two to the Nets and three to the Pacers. And the Pacers also received George Hill, Serge Ibaka, and Jordan Wara. And you are correct. Also, the Suns also received Darius Bazley for Dario Saric. End of an era. The Dario Saric at center era in Phoenix. That's, I think, what I'm more sad about than anything else. Yeah. For the Suns this week. Um, but Dylan, the Suns totally redid their team. They also um, added Terrence Ross in the buyout market after he was bought out by the Magic.
2: Um, this team is. They're going for it, and I don't think there's really any other way to put it. Getting
1: Kevin Durant. First of all, when you saw this trade, were you up when this trade
0: happened? I was up. I was up. I was uh, the good thing about being home is that I basically have nothing to do, which means that I stay up till 5 a.m. pretty much every night. Uh, <laughs> it's worked out pretty well. And it it helped me catch this trade. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was shocking, but, like, everyone thought he might get traded there in the offseason, too. So, it wasn't like he was completely out of nowhere. Like, I think Kawhi to the Raptors was kind of like, whoa, like, wow, that's, you know, like everyone was talking about some other teams that he might go to and maybe the Raptors were mentioned, but after the Kyrie trade, it, it was, it seemed inevitable that Kyrie, that Katie would go to, and maybe it would have been the off season, but, but yeah, I think the Suns kind of looked at it like, well, if we don't do something now, then Chris Paul is just going to not help us win a title. I think that's really the way they looked at it. Cause obviously Devin Booker has a ton of time left, but Devin Booker has been wanting a good team forever. And he suffered through some horrible, horrible seasons and some horrible, horrible draft picks to get to that point where he was finally on the big stage in the finals. And he was awesome in the finals and they came up short, but we finally saw the Devin Booker that we thought we could see. And, you know, ever since then it's, it just hasn't been the same, you know, they didn't make it back last year and, and Chris Paul's getting older. He's getting older. And I think the Sun said, you know what? This team as is, is just not going to be good enough. And we love Mikael Bridges. We love Cam Johnson. But we have to try to make this investment we made in Chris Paul worth it by getting Kevin Durant. And, hey, if you look at, if you look at some of the, the superstar trades we've had recently – The Kevin Durant, the package they gave up for Kevin Durant wasn't actually that terrible.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'd say the Drew Holiday trade was probably, well, the Bucks didn't really give up any stars for Drew. They just gave up Bledsoe. I'm trying to think of the the Shea Gilgis-Alexander trade where he went to the Thunder. I think that's by far the biggest haul ever. Yeah, that was insane. But the Clippers, or the Thunder
2: had the Clippers over a barrel. (laughs) The Suns didn't have the Nets over a barrel in the same way. And so, they didn't, weren't able to, all right, I should say the Nets didn't have the Suns over the barrel in the same way, so they weren't able to get as much.
1: Although maybe they like Bridges more than Aiton, which I think is being shown as a consistent th- theme through the
2: whole league is that the, the league just doesn't like Aiton that much. Yeah. Um I I think I would rather have Bridges
1: and Bridges did explode in one of his first games with Brooklyn for 45 points to
2: knock off the Heat in a game that was massive for Eastern Conference playoff implications potentially. Um But yeah, 3 and D wings aren't like, oh my gosh, what a haul for I think you could argue the Jazz got more for Gobert than the Nets did for. I I don't think I'd actually say that because I thought they'd get more for their guys than what they ended up getting. But I, I'd say it's about even. Because Walker Kessler's been really freaking good. Walker Kessler's been
1: almost This year has been probably as good as Rudy Gobert, which is
2: saying something and not what you want it to say. Um, I listen, the question is just the injuries. Katie hasn't played a
1: fully healthy season since I don't know when I think it's been since he was since 2017, 18. I don't think he's been fully healthy for a whole season since then. Um, That would be my only concern. Now, he was pretty healthy in 2021 when he lifted the
2: bucks or he pushed the bucks to the seventh game in the second round. But I,
1: Dylan, you have to make this trade thinking you're one of the, like you're the top team in the West now, right? Like you can't make this trade thinking anything else, right? Like I, I'm not crazy saying that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think that's that's what they thought, and I I don't know. Like looking at this at the standings right now, I mean, I feel like you have to say Denver's a favorite. Is that because they're leading second place Grizzlies by six games? Maybe a part of it. I, I, that's like probably one of the larger gaps you'll see from first to second place. But I mean, a healthy Nuggets team, like we've been we've been looking at this team for years, ever since the bubble when they made the West finals, we've been, we've been looking at, at this team and they just haven't been healthy since. And they're finally healthy. So outside of them though, it's, it's shaky. You know, the Clippers are looking really good right now, but will they stay healthy? Do they have a consistent point guard? Mavericks. You know, we saw last year they pushed the envelope and they got Kyrie now, but who knows? Everyone else, I don't know. The Kings are third, for God's sakes. You know, like this this West is not your older brother's Western Conference. I I think the Suns getting KD, it it probably vaults them up to that top tier. And, you know, I'm not going to say it locks them into the West Finals, but it's if they're healthy, I mean, they're pretty much there
1: this isn't the Western conference when of like when Harden and Curry were going at it in the conference finals, when Chris Paul got hurt and you know, that series 2017, 18 Western conference, that was probably the last year of like true Western conference supremacy. I'd say. Yeah. Um, because since then I'd, I'd argue it's been pretty, I'd say at least it's been even this year is the year where it's finally taken over. I'd still say the Bucks and the Celtics, two best teams in the league. And by the way, real quick, because I don't think we're going to spend too much time talking about Jay Crowder to the Bucks. Um, I mean, that fit exactly what they needed, like a glove. I mean, I couldn't have come up with a better pickup if I tried for them. They just needed a guy with size at that four spot next to Giannis if they wanted to go small. And now they have that small ball option. Like they had Except, I think Jay Crowder is better than, well, I
2: mean, right now he's better. I prefer Jay Crowder at that spot than PJ Tucker. At least he's going to shoot it every time he gets it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they've been looking for a PJ Tucker since PJ Tucker left. Now they probably got a better version. So exactly. Sounds like a good deal to me.
1: Yeah. They're gunning for that home court spot. Um, And they're 24 and five at home. (laughs) The 17 and 12 on the road. The three top teams in the East are all like really good on the road though. So it's not like those teams would like be dying without home court advantage,
2: but still home court always helps in the conference finals. Um, I think the Suns, if they were playing the
1: nuggets and they were fully healthy, right? A big if, because Chris Paul hasn't finished a a season fully healthy since the 21 season and even
2: then he had some road bumps to get fully healthy I'd maybe favor the Suns but man Jokic is just on another level and Jokic
1: was still killing Aiton despite the only reason why we remember Aiton like holding his own against Jokic in that series is because his jumper wasn't falling. Jokic was driving on him and Jokic was getting whatever pass he wanted. Murray and Porter are the equalizers for them. They're going to open up the offense for the. For the Nuggets. The that series, if they play each other, the final scores are going to be in the one thirties because neither side is going to play defense. It's going to be actually insane basketball. It's going to be like 1980s basketball. Everyone's like, oh,
2: where's 1980s? I think we're living in the 1980s again. <laughs> I think this is
0: 1980s basketball. Hey man, I'm here for it. I I will I'm interested to hear your take on this. Okay. And this this may end up coming into this may end up being important for this year. I think the two most unguardable players in the league are Jokic and Giannis. So, when you look at it like that, it feels like those are the two teams that should meet in the finals. And it's not always that simple, you know, like you need, you need three really awesome players on a team to have a shot to get there. You need help around those three guys too. And Denver, I think Denver has that now. I mean, they've been like, obviously having Murray and Porter healthy, like that's the, that's the first step you've got the three guys. So that, that gets you in contention to get to the finals. They need those bench pieces to really start hitting. And that has been, I mean, they've been rotating guys a lot recently. They do have KCP in there, which is a nice change of pace, I think, from past years. But I don't know. Like this Suns team, we haven't seen them with Durant yet. So that's, yes. it's, it's hard to really, like, I mean, there's been a million good teams on paper in our lifetime, how many have actually panned out, you know, the way we thought, I mean, the Nets team we just saw never did anything.
1: Zach Lowe called them the Dunder Mifflin all-stars, the Nets, because they were the best team of all time on paper.
0: That's great. That's great. I mean, that, that's the perfect way to describe it. And I want to believe this Suns team will be different, but until we start seeing them play, Who knows, but I do, I do think one of the important things, and this is why the buyout market is so important is that if you really look at the team before the deadline and the team after the deadline, they didn't really lose a ton of depth. They just acquired one of the best players ever. They gave up two really important pieces and a bunch of picks, which, you know, don't help on the court this year. Um, But some of those other guys, they traded, I mean, they they got Terrence Ross. Like, they, you know, my boy Josh Kogie has just been awesome this year. I mean, he him stepping up is going to be a big deal, I think, in the playoffs. Because that's just another guy that is surrounding those stars that's pretty consistently good on both ends of the floor. You know, so the depth is there for them, too. They just got to stay healthy. Well, Josh Kogie has been really good for them. Um, I'm trying
1: to think. I mean, TJ Warren's going to probably slide into that spot. Torrey Craig's another guy who's just been ever since he like Phoenix just makes sense for him. Yeah. And by the way, another um, Tim Connolly success story. Like I talk about Denver, just supplying guys for the whole league. Torrey Craig. Yeah. This has been a guy <laughs> his entire time. He's been in the league. Um, so yeah, a co you a Kogi and Craig are like a little small and they're, they're stocky, right? Yeah. But they're they're like a little small height wise. But I I think I could throw Craig on Kawhi and be like, okay, we're just gonna live with it. I don't think it need be like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. I think I'd throw a Kogi, a Kogi's short for Paul George. That'd be a problem. Um and I guess that would be my concern. The Clippers matchup. You're losing your two best Kawhi and Paul George stoppers in obviously bridges against Kawhi was going to be a problem because of the weight differential, but cam Johnson, that dude was so versatile. And I, again, you give that up to get Kevin Durant. So I'm not bemoaning that, but Baisley was out of the rotation in Oklahoma city. Like, and I understand, I think if I had to guess why they traded for Baisley, it's because he and Chris Paul probably had a relationship from their time. 'Cause I think Baisley's rookie year was that year that Chris Paul was in Oklahoma City. So he's probably like, hey, that's my rook. You know, let's bring him here. Um That being said, on a team that like really needed size, Baisley was out of the rotation.
2: So that concerned me. Um I I think this team can do it. I think this team. I would say them and Denver to me are
1: the favorites out of the West with the Clippers being like a close. I I'm keeping my eye on them. I think we should talk about the Clippers next, probably because the Clippers probably were the second busiest team of the day of the trade
2: deadline. Um, And in the buyout market probably made the biggest acquisition. I just don't, I'm concerned about the Suns.
1: the defense because you have an all-time unstoppable offensive team, right? Katie and Book by themselves are going to get you probably sixty-five points a game. I would say, like, not like they're not going to combine for sixty-five points a game, but any given game, those guys will get you sixty-five points a game. Aiton's going to get you fifteen at the minimum. So you're you're marked down for eighty automatic points. Chris Paul will probably get you ten plus seven assists. So let's just say you're at 95. You're playing the Nuggets. The Nuggets are probably going to get to 120 on you. How are you going to get that other 25? I I guess that's my
2: question. And I I think they can do it. I'm not putting it out of the question. It's, again, like you said, a bunch of other guys have to be awesome. And I don't doubt their ability to be awesome. But (laughs) I wish they upgraded the campaign spot. We've been saying that, I think, for actual years now. <laughs> I think since they were in the bubble, I think we've been saying that. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. We're, on your confidence ranking, one through ten, how confident are you that they make
1: the conference finals?
2: Uh. Take
1: seeding out of it, because right now they're the fifth seed, but there's a chance they rise. They're only a couple of games behind Sacramento. They're only two games behind Sacramento. So let's just take seating out of it. How confident are you? They make the conference finals.
0: I'm probably going to say like a seven. And I I do think the Clippers are the one team that I'm looking at. And I'm fascinated to see what happens with the Russell Westbrook edition, which, you know, this could be a good transition to that whole thing. People may forget that Paul George's best season ever was when he was playing with Russell Westbrook. And that is, that's the thing I've always tried to hang on to with Westbrook. He constantly gets shit on. And most of the time it's for good reason. The Lakers made a horrible trade, getting him everyone knew from the jump that that was not going to work out. And guess what? It didn't work out, but that dude create shots. He creates shots. He causes havoc. And if he's not making stupid decisions, which I think he's gotten better in recent years about putting up dumb shots and things like that, he's he'll still take a shot at the end of the clock that you're like, well, you maybe should have passed that to someone else, but I'm interested to see the impact he has because I mean, this has been a revolving door for the Clippers at point guard ever since Chris Paul was traded. Like, Pat Bev was just not good enough on offense. You know, he's a member of the bulls now, by the way. Yes. Very fitting for him to be there. Um, and I actually think he had a chance of, of going to the Clippers again. I think that was, a, uh, a possibility, but he chose the bulls. Um, but you know, Reggie Jackson was really good, um, at times and, and they ended up shipping him out and it's just been a revolving door. And, and that, having Paul George and Kawhi, like, they don't need an awesome point guard. But I think having one would change the dynamic of that team. And I'm, I'm just fascinated to see what Westbrook does. And I'm not drinking the Westbrook Kool-Aid. Like, my days of that are long gone. But I think to assume that he's only going to have a negative impact on this team is a little short-sighted. Because, again... He's an awesome shot creator. He draws a ton of offense or defensive attention. And there's going to be a lot of wide open Paul George threes. And I take, I'll take wide open Paul George threes more often than not. And having Norm Powell out there too, who is just a straight line driver to the rim. Like there's going to be a lot going on for this Clippers team and it could be horrible, but it also could be horrible for defenses, you know, so I don't I don't want to shoe in the Suns to the West Finals because we've seen this Clippers team kind of come out of nowhere in the past and just dominate the playoffs. And wow. they almost they almost went to the finals a couple of years ago. So let's just see what happens with them.
1: Well, let's actually. I want to talk about the Clippers some because Russell Westbrook's not the only interesting move they made. Who, Russell Westbrook was bought out after um, that big trade that I talked about the last Power Hour. Um, they also traded for Eric Gordon. They sent John Wall in a first round pick. John Wall was bought out. He's still teamless. Um, they sent Luke Kennard and a second round pick to the Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies traded Danny Green and a bunch of second
2: round picks to the Rockets. So. Dylan, or and also, sorry, the, um, the
1: Clippers got Mason Plumlee for Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson was bought out and went to the Nuggets. Also might as well just throw in another Nuggets trade here. Nuggets got Thomas Bryant for Davon Reed, who wasn't really in their rotation. So, the Nuggets new rotation is basically just replacing Bones Highland with Reggie Jackson and replacing DeAndre Jordan with Thomas Bryant. Two, I'd say, massive upgrades. Um, oh, and also, sorry, I forgot the Clippers did receive
2: Bones Highland um, for, I believe, just a couple second round picks. So,
1: Dylan, I, I think the Clippers are in an interesting spot here where they basically redid their team. Kennard is one of the best shooters in the league. But he couldn't get on the floor for Lou. I think Lou had it out for him. I'm gonna say it. He he hates Duke, clearly. Yeah. Um but also it's weird that they traded out Reggie Jackson, a guy who like thrived under them. Do you think they're scared of the Nuggets? I, this move to me signals, hey, we only have one center we're confident in in Zubac. We need to have more size down low. Is that how you took the Nuggets' moves? Plus, Eric—I mean, Eric Gordon's, Eric Gordon's finally free from Houston. I don't. Have you seen? Real quick, aside, have you seen Eric Gordon's comments this year? I have not. He um. So one time they asked him, he's like, "What development have you seen from?" the Rockets young players and Eric Gordon just goes development. <laughs> <laughs> the guys have, here haven't developed. There's an actual quote. He gave at a press conference. Um, I love that. He was actually fed up. I, that, that man was so tired of the Rockets. He was so ready to be gone. Indiana legend. Um, yeah. How, how'd you like the Clippers? Basically, reworking their team around their stars and kind of basically remade their team.
0: Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot going on. They just, they were fed up with (laughs) whatever was going on on that bench. I mean the Luke Kennard thing, like Luke Kennard just seems like a guy that is just always going to be better in your, in your head than on paper or on the court. And And I don't think it's always because he's just a bad player. I just, I mean, like you said, Ty Lue, just there was something Ty Lue didn't like about him when he was with the Pistons. It's like, well, who cares about the Pistons? They sucked his whole time there. And he seemed actually to only be good against the Pacers, by the way. And if you look at the stats, I think it would back that up. Mostly he would always go off against the Pacers. So if you're ever playing the Pacers in the playoffs, which lately no one has, that is a guy to have on your team. But yeah, I mean i i like the i like the kind of tenacity to to really look at this Clippers team and be like, listen we we traded a lot to put this team together. I mean, we traded our entire future, including SGa, to get Paul George, and it's been it's been better than the Nets were, but it still hasn't been you know awesome. I mean, they expected to go to the finals and win, you know, and they haven't. And again, they've gotten close, but close does not count. So I think the past couple of years we've seen like getting Powell and Covington hasn't worked out, but Powell has been really good, you know, really investing in the guys outside of Paul George and Kawhi has been, has been good to see. And I think the trade deadline was proof that they they see that the window's closing for them and the other teams around them are only getting better. And as you said, Jokic with help is a scary proposition. And I think the Clippers did look at, look at the top of that, the standings and be like, well, we got to get some help for these guys because Jokic has help and Jokic is damn near impossible to guard. So we've got to beat them. Probably by just outscoring them. And I mean, you kind of said earlier, the Suns are probably going to be that same way. And I think the Clippers are just going to have to hope they can score 135 points a night when it comes to the playoffs. And to do that, you got to have guys that can score. And I think they did a pretty good job of getting some of those guys the trade deadline. Have you watched Space and Plumlee at all this year? Um, I. I, I care about myself, so I have not. I have not done so.
1: Did you know Mason Plumlee shooting left-handed now?
0: I I did not know that. Um, but for are, some reason, I'm surprised. Are you happy you know that now? <laughs> I am happy. I am happy to know that. And I'm happy that he's finally out of Charlotte as well. I'm, I'm excited. I don't remember who they play tonight, but I want to watch it because I know Westbrook's starting. And that's, yes, that, he, that's going to be fun.
1: He is. Um, just my opinion on the Westbrook thing because it's apparently there are people who think that this is the dumbest thing they've ever seen. It's not. Um, we saw a ton of dumber things on trade deadline day.
2: In my personal opinion, um, I think that Russ is flawed. You you can't deny it. Like he, the man, won MVP on the he was incredibly flawed and still won MVP he he just is that guy though he's not going to
1: change but he was willing to come off the bench still and i i feel like people are glossing over that fact because they don't like him um and yeah, he kind of was in control of the offense. But when you're making $47 million a year, the politics are a lot different than when you're making two. Yep. And he's going to be making two for the Clippers. And I i would guess he's going to start games. I would be surprised if he finishes them. I hope Terrence Mann is finishing the games because I think Terrence Mann, you and I, I don't, Know how much Clippers you've watched? I I think Terrence Mann is better. Um, I'm I wish Terrence Mann was still starting. I understand why you maybe want to start Russ appease your stars maybe, and be like, hey, you know, he's gonna start and maybe play twenty minutes a game, <laughs> and then Terrence Mann will play the majority of the minutes. I hope that's the case. Um, you gotta fit Bones Highland in there somehow. I think. <laughs> The man's not happy about his minutes. By the way, there was a story in Denver where they made him fly home coach. Um, Yikes. Yeah. So I don't know what that dude's getting up to, but
2: (laughs) he must be pretty wild. Must be having a good time. Um, I think that if I had to say, I think the rest thing...
1: I would bet on it going more favorably than unfavorably because if it goes bad, the consequences aren't going to be as bad as it wasn't for the Lakers. It just isn't
2: because you don't have as much money invested and Eric Gordon played with Russ. Paul George played with Russ.
1: You have a couple of guys who played with Russ. I'm I'm sure there's more that I'm not thinking of. Um, Kawhi is going to benefit from playing with Russ. You know, I would say starting him also <laughs> him and Zubach is going to be an adventure because you're going to have two non-shooters out there. I'd play him exclusively in small ball lineups. That would be my other suggestion. Have him out there for like your small ball lineups and just have him destroy the rim. Like how the Rockets did in 2019, 20, you and I agreed. That was probably like the best use of Russ. What's
2: well, probably the best we've seen him play and probably better than his MVP year. Um, I don't know though I'm hoping it works out because I'm a Russ fan I'll admit it I want him to succeed but I, I also am annoyed
1: by the reports that he was like a vampire in the Lakers locker room
2: and I'm annoyed that like people would say that on TV I, that's just annoying to me Um, I don't know though
0: any other Isn't it interesting how every team LeBron's on has locker room issues of some sort? Isn't that interesting? And it somehow is always someone else's fault. I just find that fascinating.
1: Oh, yeah, it, it always is.
2: Um, that's actually a good. I think we should talk about the Lakers, even though I already kind of talked about them, they did make other moves. So,
1: because they're in vibes hell right now, I think that's safe to say. Still 13. 13- in the, in the league or in the West um, a half game behind Portland added Beasley, Vanderbilt, and Russell in the trade that I already talked about they also traded for Mo Bamba um, a very serviceable backup center I'm sure there's someone else I'm missing but they basically revamped their whole roster this trade deadline it's kind of like that one year where um, Kobe Altman just redid the whole Cavs team where they made the finals. Dylan, how are you feeling about, I know you're not a Lakers fan. No one would ever accuse you of being
0: a Lakers fan, but I feel like the Lakers did pretty good for themselves. Yeah. I mean, this, I actually liked pretty much everything they did, the trade deadline. I mean, they, they got Hachimura a few weeks before mm-hmm. anyone listening to this pod knows, that we're fans of Hachimura here. And I think so far he's looked pretty good there. You know, he's, he's a type of guy that they've kind of needed, just an inside presence outside of Davis that, you know, he's, he's, he's not the best shooter. He's not the best defender, but like, he's, he's good enough. You know, he's, he gets buckets. He he's, he's a decent interior defender. Like he's not a bad interior defender. So I think that was a solid pickup. Obviously, Vanderbilt is an awesome defender. Beasley's an awesome shooter. You know, Russell is—I uh, don't know. I—I I don't love him. I think next to LeBron, I will probably look at him a little bit different than some of the other places he's been. But I mean, that was more about getting rid of Russ, really, than anything. So understandable you know, as far as where they're going to go this whole season, I, I mean, I think the bottom of the West is fascinating right now because (laughs) they are third to the bottom and they're 14 games ahead of the Spurs and Rockets. I mean, the Spurs and Rockets are in their own class of being terrible. So basically every team in the conference, but those two is still in it. You know, they have a chance and, With Curry getting back with Golden State, you know, that's they're probably going to start moving up. Oklahoma City has, in spite of Sam Presti, been pretty good this year and will probably make a push for the play in. Like, it's going to be competitive. And I don't know. The Lakers have won two straight, but like, we'll see. I, I like what they did, but I still am not super confident in where they're heading this season.
1: The Spurs have lost 15 straight and they're still not the worst team in the conference. Exactly. Just take a second to digest that. (laughs) They haven't won since January 17th. The last time they won, I think Kevin Durant was still playing for the Nets. I'd like actually playing on the floor. Um, The Lakers to me, they did a good job of purging what they thought was probably bad. Right. I, I Obviously, Patrick Beverly has never been like a bad, like a locker room. Negative presence. Right. I don't think anyone would accuse him of that. But I think, you know, getting rid of Russ, obviously he was not happy with his situation because if he was, he would be coming off the bench for the Clippers. Um, getting rid of Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant apparently wasn't happy with his role, which I mean, going to the Nuggets, <laughs> have fun there. Um, Russell going back to the Lakers, interesting wrinkle after what happened the first time. Yes. Um, Vanderbilt, Beasley. Beasley's probably the biggest beneficiary of all this because. Yeah. As a shooter playing next as a dynamic shooter playing next to LeBron, he is never going to have an easier time. He broke the Wolves record last year,
2: and I don't know who their best passer was. So I, I think that he's going to be he's probably going to make 100 threes in the next 25
1: games. <laughs> I'm not even joking. How many games? Did, actually, they only
2: have 22 games left. It's not at the realm of possibility he makes 100 threes. <laughs> in that time span. So I think they sneak into the play-in. Do they win a game in the play-in?
1: That's an excellent question. LeBron's been not as great as people have been talking about this year, but he's still been good. Um, Do you have any Wolves thoughts after that trade? Because they, they added Mike Conley. Do you, how do you feel about the Wolves adding Mike Conley in that deal?
0: Okay. Uh, i like it i mean it's uh I, I guess it's nice to see him back with Gobert. i don't know <laughs> i don't know if, i don't know what what can really fix that but i thought it was i thought it was a good move i mean the wolves are just in such a tough spot like they they gave up so much to get Gobert, and their resources are so limited and they really just have to hope that Edwards and cat are just insanely awesome and go bears good enough. And the rest of the guys chip in and it works out. I mean, I think uh, Russell, again, I just don't think Russell is that he's not a winning player in my mind. Again, next to LeBron, maybe it's different. Although I'm not sure how much LeBron like can really fix or save players anymore. Like he used to be able to, but I think it was worthwhile getting rid of him and Conley, you know, he's definitely getting close to the end, but he's still a solid guy. He's still a good guy to have in the locker room. So, I mean, they're damn near a lock to like get to the play in. And I don't know if they turn things around, they even have a chance to just be solidified in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens. I think it was definitely a worthwhile move, but, uh, my confidence in them is, is waning as well.
1: That's fair enough. Um, are I think McDaniels and Edwards attorneys at law. Um, they're my two favorite guys from the 2020 draft class. Other than Halliburton, <laughs> those two guys are just killer. Um, McDaniels, did you see that present that play the other day where Luca and Kyrie were trying to get something off and, those two just shut them down. Like and they just absolutely shut down the possession. It was insane. Um, yeah, those two have McDaniels is a top 100 player this year. He's a 16 game player, 82 game player, both of them. That guy is a dude. And the wolves hit a home run with that pick. And they did a good job of not like, I know they're getting raked over the coals for the,
2: <laughs> for the Rudy Gobert trade. And rightfully so. But man, it's keeping McDaniels great business, great business. So
1: um, we're not going to talk about this whole trade because this is one of those trades where like a bunch of European guys are involved. <laughs> like, do you know who Boyan do yellow
0: is? i never heard of that man in my life. I don't, but I really hope I get to know him soon. <laughs> I don't. Um the, the bowons of my life have really paid dividends. So what you need to know about this trade,
1: four-team trade basically, um added in, into that Josh Hart trade. Jalen McDaniels going to Philadelphia, Ryan Archidiakno and Cam Reddish going to Portland. Matisse Steibel also going to Portland. Um Josh Hart to the Knicks. That's basically the gist of that trade. Dylan we all know what we want to talk about from that trade. Jalen McDaniels to the Sixers. Daryl Morey does it again. How does he steal a McDaniels twin in all this madness? They're not twins. They're, they're like basically the same age, though. So it feels like they're twins almost. How does he steal a McDaniels in all this? How? That's, that's just not fair.
0: It's not fair, but the Charlotte Hornets are just... They're, they're going to give players like this away. It's just inevitable. And I get it. They want Victor Wembignana, you know, I get it. If you got to sacrifice the McDaniels to do that, I think that makes sense. They probably should have kept Plumlee if they wanted to really give themselves a good shot. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it was a great move for them. Um, I just, God, like this Sixers team, man, I, I just, I was thinking about this the other day, like, I think or uh, Jimmy Butler was the one guy that they've tried that I think could actually pair with Embiid well and get them to the finals. Like, what what does Harden do for you personally at this point? Does it, are you inspired by a Harden Embiid combo? I'm not inspired by it per se.
1: I think it's enough to get the job done though, which is better than what I thought before.
2: I'll admit because I I was like you. <laughs> I wasn't it didn't move me how Harden was playing, but Harden's distri- his distribution
1: is really good. They've struck a good balance with Maxi coming off the bench.
2: Um yeah. Again, another Maury home run with stealing Melton from the Grizzlies. God. Yeah. Like. I I think they can do it. Now the question is, will they do it?
1: Embiid is playing the best he's ever played. At this point, we just you can't say he's not. Like he's just on another level this year. I think he's averaging 33 and 10, 1.6 blocks. Um just insane, like what he's doing this
2: year. And he can score in a plethora of ways. He's just unstoppable. So my confidence is more so in Embiid because I feel like Embiid's finally at that level.
1: You know how we used to talk about Dirk like before he won the championship? Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the way we talk about Embiid. You know, like, oh, Embiid's a loser. Embiid will never win the championship. And I, I think that Embiid... Is gonna have one of those legendary runs, like Dirk had in two thousand eleven.
2: And I'm not saying this year's gonna be that year, but Harden is kind of turning into old Jason Kidd a little bit.
1: <laughs> he's a little better than old Jason Kidd was. I think we would both agree. But the the elements are there where like he's passing is really good. Kind of more of a shooter than a scorer at this point. I don't know. I think that my faith is more so in Embiid than Hard.
2: but I don't think Harden needs to be 2018 Harden for them to win.
0: I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Like, it's not that I, it's not that I don't like them. And, and I do think Tyrese Maxey adds a different element to the typical and M- or Harden teams we see. And even the Embiid teams like when it was Embiid and Simmons, you know, obviously again they had Harden or they had I don't say Harden, but I mean Butler. They had Butler and Tobias Harris. And that team was the closest we've seen them to finally getting it done. And Having Maxi is a little bit of a unique thing for them where they, they they actually have kind of a counterbalance to those two stars. And I don't know God, I don't know like what what the right fit for Embiid is. It's we it wasn't Simmons, clearly. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't I don't think it's Harden either. Like is it Dane Lillard? Is it like does it have to be Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell. Like, does it have to be a guy more like that? Because we, he's more, he, uh, he's with a guy that's more ISO now doesn't really move off the ball very much and harden and Simmons just didn't shoot at all. Like those, those two guys I don't think are the guy. I think Butler was the guy cause he's a guy that will move off ball. He's just a badass in general, but like that, that type of player that's going to move around. He's going to do some hard work. Harden is not a hard work guy. And Simmons wasn't either really. I think at times Simmons could have been, but I don't know. I just, I have a hard time seeing this team. Like I could see them going to the conference finals. I could see them somehow beating Milwaukee or Boston, but beating both of those teams. I don't think they, I don't think they could do it.
2: I think if they make the conference finals, it saves Doc's job. And I think that's what's on the line here. Um, and I think that's... Listen, you got five guys all shooting... So, right now, Harden shooting
1: 39.7% from three. Harris is shooting 38% from three. Maxi's also shooting 38% from three. Melton at 40. Tucker at 41. Shake Milton, um, huge jump in his three-point percentage, 38% from three. He's having kind of a breakout year this year. Um, George Niang shooting 41% from three. I I think it is kind of the method, you know, just surround him with shooters, have two guys who off of Embiid who can make stuff happen with the ball. I mean, Harris can make stuff happen too, but he's taking a step back. He's on, only at 15 points a game this year. I think this team has the formula down. Let's see if they can actually get something with it. I mean, this is probably the best team they're going to put around in The problem is, is that you probably would talk yourself into Milwaukee and Boston being better. And I think that you wouldn't be wrong saying both of those teams are better. And by the way, Boston only added Mike Muscala. And I don't know. I don't think I like that. I think I wanted them to be more aggressive. If I had to pick just real quick, cause I don't want to spend too much time on this. If I had to pick two more teams, I wanted to see be more aggressive. It was Boston, and I wanted to. I know Memphis added Pinard, but Memphis had a shot this year. And you know, as a team, you don't know how many shots you have. Yeah, and look at the Suns—they just added KD. So, I think the last trade I want to talk about this giant fourteen trade—that's a
2: giant mess. So basically, um, this smorgasbord of second-round picks. I think finally ended up in Portland.
1: Well, I don't remember. I don't know where it ended up. Somebody received five second round picks. Sadiq Bay ended up in Atlanta. James Wiseman ended up in Detroit and Gary Payton ended up back in Golden State. So Dylan back to Atlanta, back to where we started almost. I really like Sadiq Bay going to Atlanta. I really like them taking a shot on him. I don't like the Pistons giving up. Why would the Pistons give up on this guy? I, he hasn't been having a great year
2: this year, but I, I don't think that it was worth giving up on a a guy like this so soon.
0: I don't think so either. I'm not sure what the motivation really was. Maybe they they saw something in Wiseman that they just thought was more worthy of a gamble. I don't know. But... I wish the Cavs would have went for Sadiq Bay. as an aside. I thank, oh God, that would have been perfect. I, I hate that the Cavs didn't do more. I hate it so much. But, you know, we'll have to live with that. But I don't know. The Pistons are are – they're a weird team. Because, you know, Cade is obviously done for the year, and that has – it seemed like they were kind of interested in maybe pushing the play-in. I mean, trading for Bogdanovich – like they got rid of Jeremy Grant, which I don't think necessarily was a signal that they were trying to suck. I mean, they're trying to cash out on a good asset, I think. And they did that. And then they get Bogdanovich. It's like, well, why get Bogdanovich if you want to suck? Bogdanovich is a good player on every team he's on, you know, and he's played on a lot of playoff teams. I think, I think actually every team he's played on has been a playoff team. I'd have to look at that, but he's been on a lot of playoff teams. So. They, I mean, Cade going out was a huge hit, obviously. And who who really knows what their plan is? Do they just want to take a shot on Wiseman because he was a top, you know, pick in the draft and see what happens, even though they already have a good center right now, a good young center? And do they just want to maybe draft a forward next year? I, I don't know. I don't know what the idea behind that was, but for some reason they saw Sadiq Bay as at his peak already. (laughs) And maybe they thought Wiseman had more upside. I'm not quite sure what the decision was there, but there's weird stuff that happens. So,
1: well, Wiseman gets a new chance, a new lease on life. That was a terrible situation for him from the start. I'll just be honest, golden state.
2: And that year was a weird draft year, 2020. Um, the Wolves nailed the first pick in Edwards and the Warriors totally whiffed on the second pick. The, the Hornets got the third pick, right? And then the bulls, you
1: could, you could say the bulls got the fourth pick, right? And Patrick Williams. And then from five through 10, <laughs> nothing but miss after miss miss. I think it was a Koro. A Congo was not a miss. I'll grant that. And Obi Toppin's probably not a miss either. But you have to go to Devin Vassell to find the next hit after that. And then obviously your guy, Tyrese Halliburton. So maybe on a team where he can spread his wings and not have any expectations and play with your guy, Jaden Ivey, James Wiseman can finally have some success. Um, And then Gary Payton, back to the back to the Warriors. Is there anything in this, any other parts of this trade that intrigue
0: you? I mean, Gary Payton is an awesome guy, you know, like that. He's definitely going to benefit this Warriors team more than Wiseman was. And it was a pretty costly thing for them to do instead of just re-signing him, you know, but sometimes this stuff just happens where they hope it works out and they hope, some young guys step up and fill the gap and it just didn't happen. So it's going to be interesting to see how he plays whenever he comes back. It it seems like the latest updates is that he is going to play this year. The, the original rumblings made it seem like he was going to miss the season. And basically the Warriors were just screwed. (laughs) They just made this trade for next year, which this team is not in a next year position because next year they may not have Draymond or, Wiggins or someone they're they're going to have to make some money decisions but this is this is an interesting team to watch the rest of the way because they battled health obviously they just won the finals kind of out of nowhere which seems weird to say for a a dynasty that they kind of won the finals out of nowhere but they have just they've been in a weird position i mean they've had a bunch of high lottery picks in recent years and they come back. They build this team. clay has been out. You know, they, they win the finals. And now they're kind of back to, to middling and, and Curry's been battling injuries. So I'm fascinated to watch them the rest of the way. I don't want to count them out after last year. You know, we, we talked about all these West contenders all day. I don't, I don't necessarily consider them a top contender. But, again, they surprised us last year. So I don't want to, want to count them out
1: yeah and just real quick, um Mavs. how do you feel about the Mavs? You don't have to give me like a whole spiel, but like how do you think the Mavs could actually make the comments finals? How you feel about the Mavs
0: chances just in general? I definitely think they have a chance. I think people were overthinking the Kyrie thing, and i'm I'm very willing to be wrong on Kyrie. I'm very willing to, but we've seen this dude. We've seen him over and over be awesome. And he was kind of on his own. He was on his own in Boston, and it probably was. It didn't work out because of that. The Nets, like those, the mix of personalities there never really made sense. Like talent-wise, it seemed cool that KD and Kyrie were going to play together, but there was just a lot of weird stuff going on there. It's not super shocking that that didn't work out. I don't want to ever count out Kyrie on the floor. If he's going to play, that dude is one of the best scorers in the league. He's one of the most efficient scorers. He's gotten much better in recent years as a passer and a defender. Like that is a guy we're trading for, especially for this Mavs team that every single year, me and you question where are the Mavs going to go? How can they save this? And I'm pretty sure we did that earlier this season too. We did. how can the make the math save this? And the last time we had that discussion, they made the conference finals that same year. You know, so I don't want to count them out at all. They they have enough depth around those or around Luca and Kyrie where I think they can make it work. So I don't know. I'm not I'm not going to predict that they make the conference finals. I still think. You know, as I said earlier, it's gonna be either two of the Clippers Suns, and Nuggets, most likely. But if they squeezed in there, I wouldn't be shocked.
1: Fair enough. Um, just some moves that we didn't I don't want to discuss, but I feel like we have to mention um the Spurs did trade for jo- or the Spurs did trade for Devontae Graham. They sent I don't know why I tra- phrased it that way, the Pelicans traded for Josh Richardson sent Devontae Graham to the Spurs. Um Danny Green goes to the Cavs in the buyout market. Kevin Love goes to the Heat in the buyout market. He appears he's starting for the Heat in an ultimate shocker. Um, our guy, Frank Jackson, signed to the Jazz for a 10-day contract. I just thought we I'd highlight that because you and I both like Frank Jackson. Um, an utterly wild time in the NBA right now. I believe Will Barton's still a free agent. We got a lot of a lot of craziness happening in the nba right now. Dylan, you're about to go embark on a long tour. This is probably going to be your last power hour appearance for a little while. Tell the people what you got coming up for your band.
0: Yeah, man, we're the next 2 months are going to be very busy. We're this upcoming month we're going to go to Mississippi we're going to New Orleans we're going to Texas we are going to Colorado and then we're going out east Uh, in in April we're going to be pretty much all up and down the east coast we're going to be in like Ohio and Alex's favorite state Ohio I'm sure he's there we're going to be in Kansas City we're going to be in Des Moines I think I mean we're going to be kind of all over the map um, over the next two months, and hey, uh, I believe the analytics say we do have some European listeners out there. Uh, maybe it may be like a few, only a few, but we're going to be in Europe June and July. So check out BigDamnBand.com to see where we're going to be at. We're going to be Germany, the UK, Italy, the Netherlands, uh, Spain. You know, we're hitting we're hitting a lot of places this year. So we're most likely going to be somewhere fairly close to you.
1: Are you going to be wearing your Jason Kelsey Jersey in Kansas city?
0: Um, I don't, I don't think so at the moment. Uh, I'm going to have to debate on that. Um, I may wear my sky Moore Jersey just out of respect, you know, for, for the title there. So you don't
1: want to wear your, uh,
0: you don't want to wear your, um, your Jalen hurts Jersey. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I'll, I'm really gonna have to think about it. But I, what I what I should wear, is my Jarek McKinnon jersey because that dude won me my Dynasty football fantasy football championship. He was a huge piece in getting me across that finish line. So, shout out to Jarek McKinnon, man. Shout out to Jarek McKinnon, young goat.
1: Um, young goat. I believe he's older than both of us. He's Um, Yes. Make sure you're checking out the other offerings on the running hook podcast network. JD and I will be back next week. Um, I was going to do some awards. Like I was going to tack on my awards for the season so far before this episode, but I think JD and I are just going to tack that on before the next episode. And we're just going to make that a little thing. Um, Make sure you check out Linsanity basketball. They're going to be switching to basketball now. College basketball, Dylan, Purdue. Are they winning at all? Are they going to Zach E taking them to the promised land?
0: Listen, I don't want to get too depressed here, but Zach E is the best player that Purdue has had in my lifetime. And they have no other good players. You just had a top five pick last year. I know Exactly. (laughs) He's not he's not the best NBA prospect, but that dude I mean, come on. That dude is unguardable. And unlike last year, he's not just tall. Like he's a good passer. He's got good touch. He moves pretty freaking well for his height. Like I I just love watching him, but they just the talent around him is just it's it waxes and wanes quite heavily. So I don't really trust the depth but I'm having fun watching them win while I can. And hopefully IU tomorrow will be a dub.
1: I hope for your sake. Um, and I hope that Caleb Lynn's favorite team loses. Um, <laughs> As always. <laughs> As always. Um, yeah. So make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out circle city cinema. The Oscars are in a couple of weeks and you know, we're going to have a lot of Oscars content around that. So you don't want to miss that. And also Dylan, the final season of Succession.
0: I'm ready. It, I, it's, it's the worst time. As soon as I hit the road, it starts dropping. But I'm gonna I'm gonna have some fun binges coming up the next month or two.
1: I know. As soon as you have free time, you're gonna have to watch
0: Little Lord Fuckleroy. <laughs> you know, Dylan. I, you can't. I'm happy that they're they're calling it quits. You know what I mean? Like a good show can't be ruined by being too long it, or it shouldn't be. It can be very easily. So I'm glad that they they're choosing the artistic route here over the money route. I'm I'm happy about that.
1: You can't make a tomlet without breaking a few Greg's. That's all I'll say. That's um, right. I can just go with jokes from the show for days. Um, make sure you check out circle city cinema because i'm pretty sure we're going to be doing a succession podcast i'm not entirely sure though i'll have to talk to zach um dylan thank you so much for joining me thank you and thank you all so much for listening